Welcome in. We are back and we are ready for another show. Today we're going to be talking about inflation and how inflation is here. And if you are planning on retirement, do you need to adjust it based on inflation? What I'm curious about today though is, is this discussion of inflation really overblown or is it just a part of common discussion that people have nowadays? I'm your host, Brent Pasqua, founder of RPA Wealth Management. I'm here with Matthew Thiel, Certified Financial Planner, Joshua Winterswike, Certified Financial Planner. But before we jump into the fun discussion about inflation, the question I want to know is, has the cost of your grocery shopping increased over the last year? Hey, Brent. Nice to see you today. Um, yeah, it actually has. It, it kind of started slowly. Like I was like, ah, my grocery bill looks like you know, it's a little bit higher. Maybe it's because I'm not eating out as much um, you know, during the whole kind of lockdown COVID period with all the restaurants closed. And then now just recently, I'm like, no, I think there's a trend here. I'm going out to eat a little bit more and my grocery bill is still, you know, 15 to 20% higher a month over, um, you know, from where it was a year ago. So yeah, I'm definitely feeling it on my grocery shopping. It looks like prices have kind of slowly crept up and, you know, 25 cents here, 25 cents there, you know, for various items adds up, um, you know, when you're buying food for a whole week. So yes. You know, to me, it seemed like slow and gradual, but I'm definitely noticing it. And especially as the inflation report started to come out, I think it makes you a little bit more mindful of, you know, am I really paying more? And you start to look back and say, you know, my bill was X. Now it's Y over, you know, year over year. So you definitely see it. And I think you, you see it in, in different grocery items too more than others, but it has been a, a slow increase that um, I'm not the biggest fan of. I think like as you slowly start to see groceries increase late last year and then into this year. To me, it wasn't as big of a deal because you weren't eating at restaurants, but now like people are starting to go back to the restaurant. So you increase those higher bills at the grocery store and you're going to restaurant, like that could really cut into your budget, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something that you have to be mindful of um, because, you know, normally, and I see it just in even my household, you know, we'll go out to eat, but we're not really reducing our grocery bill relative to like adding the dining out, right? We still want the same amount of food and be able to have that. So it is definitely something that you have to have awareness uh, for is how you're adjusting your budget with the higher increases and now adding the the luxury of going out to eat again. And I think going out to eat's increased in price a lot too, right? Mm -hmm. I, I haven't been out that much. We've been doing a lot of the delivery apps and those have gone up. So I assume restaurant prices when you're sitting down at a table are up too. Yeah. I just say don't waste food, you know, use every bit you got. Yeah, unless it goes, unless it spoils. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the hot take headlines. Drivers across the East Coast and South are struggling to find gasoline stations are running dry because of the cyber hack on the Colonial Pipeline. This is leading to an increase in prices paid at the pump and long lines reminiscent of the 1970s as stations that have fuel. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck happened here and why are people putting gasoline in buckets? Yeah, that's kind of funny. I've been seeing pictures of people online like filling their car with like gasoline and uh, Ziploc bags and stuff. I'm like, oh man, that looks trash awful. bags yeah, putting trash in their trunk. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess there's a there's a pipeline, right? Colonial pipeline, and it serves gasoline to the the southeast and east coast of the United States. And that was hacked, and it was shut down for a couple of days. And a bunch of gas stations ran out of gas. And I mean, I think with those stories two weeks old and we're, you know, still kind of seeing the effects that there are still some gas stations on the East Coast that are, are dry. And so people are waiting in line just like the 1970s to try and fill their car. And it's kind of going like how it was with paper towels last March where everyone's starting to hoard it now. It's just interesting because 
I think we also talked about a hot take headline of, remember when gas was, you know, they were paying us to take the gas? That's how much gas we had. And now this year's a completely different scenario, a cyber hack, and now we don't have enough gas in a big portion of our um, country. So it's just kind of funny that how different one year can be. How does a cyber attack like this happen? Does anybody know? Uh, I have I have no idea how something like this will happen. I assume they, you know, get into their admin files on their servers and and somehow lock it up. I do believe it was ransomware, right? So like the ransomware is they basically like steal all of the data information, like your operating system, and basically said you're gonna pay us to get it all back and working. Um, so they're like holding on to it, ran- like a, like a ransom. Um, but they're able to hack into your systems and and take it over basically and does does this like shut down the supply chain is that what happens it like freezes yeah i mean it would just be like you know you lose your whole operating system for the operation right so it's it's limiting you to to what you're actually able to do and i heard like someone came out and apologized for this and they said they're not going to do it again is that the case i i heard that this morning too that they said we're sorry for doing this um but i haven't confirmed that i was just a a little snippet in the news this morning that i heard you think tesla drivers were laughing yes is <laughs> all these people with their big trucks um you know couldn't find gas and the, oh there goes a tesla suv on the highway speeding by at 90 i mean i'm just even happy with with the decision for the hybrid that i have i mean you know, I'm not paying as much at the gas pump. I'm I'm not as upset at the headline. I mean, were these memes of people putting gasoline in buckets with holes in them real? Or is this like just people just making stuff up? <laughs> I don't know, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's hard to say with the internet, but hey, let's go with it that people are doing that. <laughs> All right, let's get into the second one. Consumer prices increased 4.2% year over year, the largest increase since 2008. This is causing some fears that inflation is here and prices will continue to rise due to government spending. Is inflation here? And that seems like a big increase. Yeah, it's a pretty large increase. I'll note on that 2008 too, um, this is actually probably worse a number than um, you would imagine. So in 2008, a lot of it was led by gasoline prices rising. If you all remember that in the summer of 2008, gas prices hit... um, you know, which was almost like $100 a barrel and like 4 or $5 a gallon we were paying to fill up. So that led to a big increase in the CPI, which is the measure of inflation that we're talking about. Um, this one was led by auto, auto cars, so um, used cars, and then travel spending um, with the increase. So yeah, it's here. It's a little worrisome. Um, it's pretty much the theme for today's show. Yeah. And, and I think that you know, yet when you say worrisome, it, it can be, you know, something to definitely be mindful of a variable. But I think it's also a little bit expected. Like we talked about even with groceries and, you know, the travel industry like that, there was pent up demand and that coming back into, you know, our economy that we kind of knew that was going to happen a little bit, right? Do we know what's going to happen this soon? Yeah, I don't know. I think for most people, I mean, they've been talking about inflation since I've been in the industry and we haven't seen it. So that's since 2008, right? And I mean, now it's, you know, 2021, we're finally starting to see it after the most government spending and money printing that we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it makes some sense. But really what it's being driven by is the increase in the minimum wage. And, you know, there's been all this talk about, oh, we want, you know, the minimum wage to increase for, for um, you know, minimum wage employees. And it's happening. And that's leading to an increase in prices because businesses have to raise prices to pay those employees. Right. 
I think that's an understatement in all of us too. I mean, you can hide it under inflation or you can hide it around the, some of what the other facts may be. Right. All right. Well, let's get into the retirement planning corner. Uh, we're going to continue on this inflationary conversation. Um, but now that we are looking at re- the reopening data, it's becoming clear that prices are rising. Inflation data, we just adjusted and suggest that prices are rising. The goal of today's show, we really just want to talk about, like if you're thinking about retiring and you're concerned about inflation, how do you plan around this? How do you know, do you have to make adjustments to your portfolio? Do you need to make adjustments to your plan? Do you plan for more expenses it's going to be in the next five to seven years? If you're later in your retirement, is it going to be impactful if you're younger? Let's go through some of these things. But let's first start off as just a basic summary. What is inflation? Yeah, I'll take this one. So it's essentially um, when prices rise on goods and services. You know, so that could be food prices, that could be auto prices, um, that could be the the price of a TV. You know, it's just the the general rise of prices. And how do we really know when inflation hits? Well, we use a, a metric or an economic indicator called CPI, like Matt had mentioned, Consumer Price Index, and that basically measures over different time frames of what that price level um, increase or potentially decrease in our economy is. Um, so we use that indicator to basically tell us. So, you know, how do we know? Well, we can go directly to that indicator and, and it'll tell us what's going on. You know, what's interesting too here is, you know, you could just look at the CPI and big up, up 4%, kind of like you would the S&P 500. Oh, the S&P 500 is up one or 2%, but inside the actual CPI index is a bunch of different categories. And you should probably look at those various categories to see what's going up and what's going down. Like, like we said, this last one was travel and auto related. So just interesting um, to see how that changes over time to really see if inflation is here or if this is just a one-time blip in the radar. Yeah, because there is a big difference even between the used cars and trucks and the overall CPI right now. So I think that's a great point that you make that you do have to kind of be mindful of which categories are leading them. And was it expected? Like we talked about a little bit, like, you know, used cars, groceries, other retail spending or travel. So I think that's important to making sure when you're trying to analyze the inflation of looking deeper into that CPI number. There's very few uh, used cars that you could sell for a profit. Do you think if someone bought a used car in, in like, you know, 2020, 2019, they could sell it for a profit today based on how much used car prices are up? I don't know. That's a good question, but something to look into. Are you, yeah, you going to look at your car? Are you going to maybe, well, no, maybe turn I a profit? Did, I didn't <laughs> buy a used car, so I mean, I don't know, but I, I'd be interested if someone looked like, oh, you know, I bought this car for $12,000 used in 2020, and now I could sell it for Thirteen. It's like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you're thinking about your own personal finances, how do you really gauge or how would you even know how much inflation is impacting you? I think the easiest way is how the question you asked at the start of the show, you know, what's your grocery bill look like? What's your eating out bill look like? Um, how much you pay when you go to the movies? Like little things like that. I mean, that you're seeing it directly hit your pocket that way. I mean, do you think we can be in a position here pretty soon where it felt like so many of our conversations were with people, whether retired, not retired, young, old, doesn't matter. We're talking about how much money they didn't spend last year and how much they were able to accumulate and save because they weren't traveling, they weren't doing all the extra entertainment. But do you think that you could see that savings dwindle very quickly because of inflation? Yeah, especially, I mean, if you're going on travel, I mean, I think, was it two or three shows ago, we were talking about our summer travel plans. And, you know, I was saying how, you know, this is too expensive right now for me to get out there. And you're not even seeing it. Just another example of where you'll be able to really notice it is even like the concert, summer concert series that are being rolled out and even sporting events. So you log in and, you know, what used to be a $35 ticket is now $55. And then also the service fees are higher 
Um, so you can just see that, you know, just by shopping for some entertainment this summer of the prices you were paying before to compare to this rollout of the new events this summer. Yeah, because I mean, I, I guess you could already see this coming where it's like, well, these businesses weren't operating for the last nine months. So we're going to go make up for what we weren't able to earn last year. And all these people have extra money. So guess what? We're coming after all that extra mm-hmm. income and savings. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to look at it, look at it too. Um, and then also, I mean, you know, take a home remodel, right? I mean, that's an increase in price. You need lumber, you need uh, hardwood flooring, you want, you know, stone, maybe redo your kitchen. That's all, you know, 10 to 20% higher than it was two years ago. For people who are thinking about retirement or retirees, I mean, what types of goods and services do you think that they're going to be looking at where they're going to really feel the impact of inflation? Um, so I wrote down a few. I'm sure Josh has some good ones too, but the three I came up with, you know, I think food, you're definitely going to see it in food. You probably already are. Um, if you're trying to take a trip, wherever your, your retirement travel plans were, you're going to definitely see it there based on the prices that we're seeing. And then when you go buy that new car, car prices are going up. There's a semiconductor shortage right now in cars. So all the new cars, um, you know, they don't have enough chips to put in them. So the ones that are coming over from overseas and sitting on dealer lots are are going up in price because they don't have enough supply. And also, just to add, I mean, those are all great examples, but then also to add for expenses to be mindful of is the remodel, right? A lot of times when you're going into retirement, you're looking at potentially moving, um, you're looking at remodeling your home or doing an addition, and all of those housing um, you know, costs are going up. So it is something to be extremely mindful of if you're planning that you know, big event, whether if it's moving or, or updating your house. I always hear like in common discussions, people talk about inflation, whether it's with clients or which is people in general, like, oh, the government shouldn't be spending here to create inflation. Is inflation really that bad for the market though? It's tough to say. I think in the short term, it could definitely hurt stocks. You know, they could go through a period where they do drop as, um, you know, a stock is really just a reflection of a business, right? That's all you're doing. And as businesses, you know, grapple with higher inflation, it's going to increase their costs until they could increase prices. Um, and that's kind of most likely what we're going to see happen this summer. So, you know, I mean, stocks could be in for a bumpy road, but over time, it just means higher profits, right? Hopefully. Right. And also, you just have to remember that inflation, because I, I agree with you, Brent, it gets brought up in so many conversations. We have to remember that it is just one variable, right? There is so many other variables that are affecting not only the stock price, um, but, you know, the market. And, you know, yes, we have to be mindful of inflation. Um, but I don't think that it's, you know, the only indicator that's telling us whether, you know, asset prices appreciate or depreciate. I think that with so many people who have 401k plans and they have, you know, their own, they're investing in funds or investing in portfolios. Our clients are built on a very strategic portfolio. Many people have portfolios and they have their investments. How does inflation really impact those portfolio returns? It impacts it, right? But let's take a look back at last year. So last year is a great year for the stock market. Depending on the amount of stocks you had in your portfolio, you should have made somewhere between 8 to 30% returns. Um, I know that's a wide range, but if you had more bonds, you're going to make less. If you have less bonds, you probably made more. Oh, and you, could, you shouldn't have touched your portfolio last year. If you just let it sit there, right? You went through the crash and you got the recovery. You did really, really well. If you made, call it 15% portfolio return last year and inflation's at 4, well, you're still up. Great. You made 11% real return. So you're sitting pretty. But if you didn't invest and you know you pulled out or you have too many bonds or you weren't in the right stock funds and you didn't do that, you know, cover that inflation, well now you're you're trailing, you're poorer today. It's a pretty simple way of looking at it. So 
How do you sort of offset that? I mean, are there any portfolio strategies for dealing with inflation? Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to have the right mix of stocks to bonds in your portfolio. You want to have the right funds selected in your portfolio. And you want to, in a way, not overtrade your portfolio. And doing all that, you're going to you know, get returns that beat inflation over time. So when you hear inflation, you're not too concerned about it. I think that that's one, you know, another testament to just creating a projection even of growth from your portfolio and, and, and factoring in inflation with your expenses. I know we always talk about like creating a cash flow report. That's something that's a really good tool to understanding how inflation is going to impact your portfolio growth over, you know, the next 5, 10, 15 years. Because we're not building a portfolio for the next three months, most likely. It's going to be a longer time horizon. So, you know, creating that um, projection or that example of inflation factored in with the expected rate of return of your portfolio really kind of help you understand, is it really make or breaking or hurting you in the short or long term? I mean, as we're starting to think about the income that retirees are going to create, and like, you know, from an extent expense standpoint, you need to probably plan on for inflation over time. What are some of the income strategies that we can deal with with inflation? Yeah, this is a tough question to answer. So the the first one is kind of looking at your social security, right? Most retirees are going to be on social security. They should be getting a, a COLA bump coming for 2021. It should be a fairly large based on the numbers we're seeing. Um, but we'll we'll see what the government decides to do there. It'll probably be less, right, Brent? Right. Uh, but you'll still get a bump. Um, in your portfolio, as long as it's been invested properly, it should have grown over the last five years. Um, you know, the market's up, the five-year returns look great, the 10-year returns look great. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to adjust your income slightly higher to meet the rising prices that we have today, um, especially if you had an advisor who set up your retirement plan. So what's interesting to me too is, you know, we've spent a lot of time together working on the withdrawal strategy. And we looked at all the different rates of which someone can withdraw for income in retirement to make sure that their assets sustain for the rest of their life. And we factor for inflation, but inflation seems really high. I mean, does that 4% withdrawal strategy still actually work? I think it depends on the time frame, right? I mean, 4%, I think, is a general good rule of thumb um, because we know that, yes, there's periods that inflation can be higher. And we're talking about inflation, but it, it's only been, you know, yes, it's increased, but we're only seeing these numbers for a short amount of time as well. Like Matt had mentioned earlier, you know, we haven't seen inflation for a while. We've kind of been waiting on it and it's never really, you know, hit us yet. We're finally seeing just the, you know, the tip of it. And we don't even also know how long it's going to be around for. So, you know, I do think that the 4% rule is a good starting place. Do I think it's a, a cure-all to every income strategy? No, um, you know, because there are, again, more variables to not only the portfolio construction, but I think that it is a, a good place to, to start. Yeah, um, I, I agree with Josh. And then if you're still working, I mean, right now, good time to, you know, go to your employer. You probably need to ask for some sort of raise if you haven't gotten one, right? With prices rising so much, like, if you're don't get any ideas, man. <laughs> no, no, I don't have any ideas. But I mean, if your salary is stagnant, right, it's gotten more expensive to live. It's pretty simple. Are, is, is work, are employers coming out and giving cost of living adjustments or, or planning to with this inflation? I mean, have we heard any of that data? From my understanding, most of the large employers are up to almost 15 to 17 an hour. Um, I believe Chipotle and Uber both said by next year it'll be possible um, to easily make 100000 a year as a driver or as a, an employee at Chipotle serving line food. And that is one side effect of inflation as prices go higher. Wait, there's wage increases. So, you know, or hopefully there is. And I think that that is a great tip, Matt. I think we don't talk about it enough is, 
you know, when we're talking about wealth um, and saving money, you know, we don't talk about as much of also asking to make more money, right? If you deserve it, you've worked hard over this last year. That's a big part, I think, in wealth creation is making sure that you have that personal growth with your income, right? If you've been working hard and you deserve it, go out there and here's the, the push to go ask for more money because that's going to help you through these times. Yeah, if you haven't gotten a raise in a while or you just you're afraid to ask for a raise, I think right now is a very good time to do that. There's jobs everywhere. And with inflation coming, you cannot sit at your same income. You have to get some cost of living adjustment. Things are just going to get more expensive. I mean, if for, okay, so let's talk about one last thing with younger people. I mean, is there any recommendation, Matt, that you would give to a younger person to offset some of this inflation that we're starting to see? Um, besides asking for a raise, um, you know, just investing in stocks. I mean, if stocks drop right, it would be a good buying opportunity. Um, you know, get some of your savings to work after your emergency fund and you got 10 to 30 years to let it grow. Yeah. And maybe track your expenses, watch it closely compared Mm, to last year's data. I mean, I think that could be helpful. Josh, for you, I mean, is there anything that you would recommend to somebody getting close to retire or in retirement that you would give them recommendation to offset inflation? I think just also taking a look at your investment portfolio as a whole, like looking at your whole balance sheet, because you might already even have some inflation hedges in there, right? Like housing, like our your real estate property. So, um, you know, are, should you even really be that concerned, right? When you really look at your overall balance sheet and the way that your assets are, you know, distributed. So I think that awareness right now, as these metrics are changing and, you know, the economy's going through a little bit of a shift, you know, have that awareness of your own plan and seeing, you know, if you do have any of those hedges already built in, or maybe you can even potentially add something prior to, you know, retirement. Yeah. What are housing prices up 10, 20% over the last year and a half yeah, depending just on the market? Crazy. And I mean, here in Southern California, we've experienced this directly. Uh, Matt and I, and Brent, I know that you're mindful of all of these increases with the housing. Anyone that's looking at buying or selling or has been over this last year and a half or just turn on the news can see how dramatically housing prices have gone up. And, you know, that's if you are the homeowner, it's good for you, right? Yeah. Houses are a hot commodity right now. Yes, they are. All right. So let's get in the last part of the show. Let's get into RPA recommends. Uh, I'll kick this one off today. As summer is now upon us, or at least approaching us very quickly. One thing that we know with inflation also is people are doing more spending. My recommendation would be for people to use a website we've talked about in the past, potentially go to nerdwallet.com and actually do a review on that site about the credit card that you're using. Uh, I would possibly go and look at what you're using your credit card for. So do you want, are you spending more on, on groceries? Are you spending more on gasoline? Are you spending more on travel? And make sure you get a card that gives you rewards in the area that you want your rewards in. Do you want cash back? Do you want money back for, for airline travel and for your trips coming up? And make sure that you're getting the right percentage of cash back rewards on things that you're spending money on. Because the question I asked so many people, I was like, what credit card are you using? Oh, they're just using some general one that they got with their bank or they signed up when they were you know, 18 years old. Go back and actually do a review of your credit card and try to get something that's going to give you a decent amount of returns because some of them only give you cash back on 1%. Some are going to be as high as 3 4 5% on things you're spending money on. I think it's a great way to add a little money back in your pocket, offset a little inflation here. That's awesome, Brent. Um, I don't have a good product today, um, but I'll stick with the inflation salary, um, I guess, discussion we've been having. And if you haven't got a raise in a while, do some research, figure out what um, your position makes in your zip code or state. 
and then um, go to your employer and you know ask for a raise lay out your case as to why you deserve one and hopefully you know if you're a good employee the employer will be crazy to lose you and they're gonna give you that said raise because it's really hard to hire employees right now number two if that doesn't work go get a job offer from another company and tell your employer i'm leaving unless you match this that's how you get a raise in the world uh, great tips. I like both of them. Um, the credit card thing, Brent, we've always talked about maximizing rewards on credit cards. And I think that it is, uh, it is key. Uh, I really like maximizing that. Speaking of credit cards, Costco has a good credit card. I'm t- my recommend comes from a product at Costco. I do have a puppy that loves to play fetch. And Costco has a Nerf gun that shoots tennis balls like up to 75 feet. I think maybe I liked it even more than my dog. He loves it, but it was pretty fun um, to get that ball and that gun and shoot it across the you know the yard and have him run out and chase it. Um, but a pretty cool product from Costco. Thought I'd go fun today um, with any of the dog lovers out there. Go to Costco, get the Nerf. Um, it's a Nerf gun that shoots tennis balls for your dog. That that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Great exercise for the dog and makes it probably pretty nice to be able to play with them like that yeah he loves it so really cool he really enjoyed it so any of the dog owners uh run out to costco use your good credit card and uh buy that toy for them well as advisors we love helping people and that's why we do it ever since we started doing financial planning since the beginning we've always planned for inflation and what can happen with inflation in retirement and expenses and and how to to work around it when those times come we know that they're going to come But if you'd like more information or schedule an appointment with any of us, please go to rpawealth.com, schedule a complimentary consultation. You can also download our ebook from the website. If you'd like show notes, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. Love to hear your feedback. We always appreciate you listening to the show. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.